This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Number one is I finally, after much promises, got my media club created, which is called the YomTovMediaClub.com. And in that club, what we're doing is basically all kinds of projects, but they need paying for and personnel needs hiring and whatever. There's a lot of investment involved. But what it's doing is everyone who these classes impact, please go to the possibly, please go to YomTovMedia.com yomtobmediaclub.com it's brand new so I'm like I can't get it right here yomtobmediaclub.com and um, and please join be part of the club um, it's anything from students giving 10 bucks to uh, to higher amounts to all the way to business people who uh, can also get write-offs for consultancy because I will offer consultancy for the people giving the larger amounts and the um, but the main thing is you're part of a club of, of getting words that need to get out there to help people People need a lot of help these days. There's a deep sense of meaninglessness in the world today and uh, and just uh, disorientation that's happening for young people and old people alike. And and uh, somehow I'm being given the words that are making a big difference for a lot of people. So I'd appreciate the support to help me get the word out because should, I should be optimized. 2019, there's a lot of tech out there. I don't know anything about it, so I, I'm going. I am in the process of hiring people for all of this. So please join the club and be part of it. And obviously, because I'm such a benevolent guy, whoever's in that club, you you bet there's going to be some good things happening for you. So uh, I don't know what it is yet. One thing I'm happy to mention everyone's names at the Kotel. I pray there almost every day, so I mention their names. But uh, but also I'm doing stuff all over the world, and you'll definitely be invited for my events, especially the private ones, not to mention some time with me in Israel. Okay, um, uh, what are the announcements? Oh, another announcement, my goodness. Uh, you know, every, every Jewish institution in the world seems to be having a cause match program to like try to raise money for it. So Asia Tour is also doing that. And myself and uh, uh, myself, Rabbi Neckemeyer and I are doing it as well. And so if anyone would be willing to be on our teams, it's going to be one late night, I think, next week, where we're going to be raising money uh, for Asia Torah with, um, I think, four matchers. So I think every amount that comes in gets quadrupled. But we need a team. And we're going to be, you'll get some good time with me and Rabbi Nekamar and I. And we will, uh, uh, so anyone who wants to join our team, please do. Uh, we need that. I don't know if women are welcome. I forgot to ask that. Um, because we're all going to be together. And it's with all the yeshiva all in the same room. So it could be it's only men. I don't know. Okay. And uh, last announcement is my daughter's best friend's getting married. And she ain't got no dough for anything. For any clothing or anything for a wedding. And, and so my daughter asked me to make an announcement. And I've been avoiding it each day because I'm just not sure it's so appropriate. And I just gave in today, and I'm asking for uh, anyone who wants to help buy some of the outfits. When, when you marry off a girl, you need to get outfits for the whole Sheva Brachas, which become her Shabbos outfits for the year. And uh, But she needs outfits for each of the days. I'm sure she's borrowing the dress from a dress loan society for a wedding dress. But we're talking about her actual outfits that she's going into her marriage with. 
and you know they got to be nice outfits and it's one per day of the shevrabrachas and it's those become her shabbos outfits anyway she ain't got no dough and the wedding's like three weeks from now so she's already out of time to even go get fitted and but there's no money to pay for the dresses anyway so anyone who'd like to be part of that um, please be in contact with me directly um, you can always whatsapp me at um, my number which is plus nine seven two five two eight three four four six six four and I happen to know her because she's my daughter's best friend and she's the most darling kid in the world I and mean, she's just so amazing like if you met her you'd all just be like literally like sliding your credit cards you know just to do anything for this girl because she's just such a such a doll of a, of a kid amazing kid she's 18 I think and she's just super special yeah you can put both of those you can pin the comments on there that people will be able to see them as in like your website and nice you have to repeat them. nice that's the kind of guy I need to hire <laughs> <laughs> I would never have thought of that so that's very important thank you okay so today we're doing an excerpt from the possible use seminar um, Possible Youth Seminar has been running for 17 years. It's got over 8,000 graduates all over the world that run it. And the, um, the next one starts Sunday. It's in Hebrew. And uh, uh, in America, we do them also. Uh, there will be the next seminar, I think, is in Brooklyn in May. And then there will be um, Lakewood and then Muncie, New York. Outside Chance doing Monroe. And we're also doing London, England. Uh, probably the Stanford Hill community there. But anyone can come from Golders Green or Hendon or any of those other areas. Um, English, we just finished last week, which was really exciting. First time we did it in English in a year. Don't know when we'll do that again, because uh, the seminar is in Hebrew in Israel. Um, so please feel free to look that up, thepossibly.org. Today is an excerpt from that, and it's called Understand. It's really about understanding what is called the MCZ. MCZ stands for the misery, comfort, turn down the volume on that a bit, misery, comfort, zone. The misery, comfort, zone is the amount of misery that you're comfortable with, and anything that threatens to make you happier, you will sabotage. Okay, I'm going to say that again. It's the amount of misery you're comfortable with, and anything that threatens to make you happier, you will sabotage. Human beings have a horrible lack of identity, a horrible lack. Um, and the reason is because we're not supposed to have one. But what can you do? Every adult you meet seems to have cut and pasted identity all over themselves and have to spend the rest of their lives in a white-knuckled roller coaster ride to protect it, which is a real waste of time. And if you're a Jew from the tribe of Israel, so you certainly shouldn't be getting rid of your self-image because it's just a joke. I mean, think about the word image. Image means from the word... What's image from the word? Imagine. So what's self-image of the imaginary self? Yeah, no one needs... Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, you're walking around with an imaginary self. And the other one is a picture like Google Images. It's a picture of yourself. Well, when did you take that snapshot? Chances are you took it at some embarrassing moment or some, you know, horrific situation when you were a kid. And it kind of, something got like heavy, negative self-image got locked in. And that became your self-image. So, right, who wants that? But everyone's walking around with these self-images. And they're, uh, and Judaism says... It's not even relevant. Like your negative self-image is not even remotely relevant. And good luck claiming. Good luck claiming when you get upstairs. You should all live to 120. Amen. Good luck when you get upstairs claiming some stupid story happened to you when you were eight. Because God said, yeah, it happened. It happened. It happened. Never give a d. 
It happened. And, and when you're in the world of truth, you can't come up there telling stories about stuff that happened to you. Okay? It, meaning you, you can certainly mention something that happened, but it's, like, it's not happening anymore. But yet you keep living your life as if it is constantly happening. And so self-image is nobody's uh, friend. It's nothing you want. It's not going to be helpful. And if you're wondering how to live your life from the place of being truly nobody, the, um, that was, what's today, Wednesday? I think that was Monday's class? That was Monday's class, pretty sure. Nobody was Monday's class, and, the, and that's the... What? Monday. Monday's class was all about how to be a nobody, and, and it's great. It's really a fabulous place to be, and that's what it means to... That's really bottom line what Judaism is trying to get you to. You'll notice all your resistance to Judaism, like to really give yourself over to surrender to it, is that you know deep down it's going to rip out whatever you know of yourself. And, you know, that's scary. Who wants to, like, lose their sense of self? But the truth is, your sense of self isn't worth having. No offense. Your sense of self is a liability to anyone who's close to you. You understand? You're a, you're a real pain in the you-know-what to be close to. And, that, and that's because it's not your true self-image. If, you're, if, you're, if you're, your true self-image is a pleasure, it's the one that you're walking around with that's a pain. And so you got everyone jumping through hoops just to be close to you. And, you know, what a waste of time, what a waste of energy, and what, a, what, what drama and trauma and, and loneliness and every other kind of negative emotion that comes from your self-image. Like, and, and underneath it all is beauty. Underneath that self-image is like the true you, like the real beautiful person that God created you to be. And if you're wondering what to do with being nobody, that's, that was Monday's class which was, uh, what was the date of that? That was the 4th of March, 2019. You can check that one out. Towards the end of the class is when we did it with a really good graphic on the board to, to navigate. Okay. Um, misery comfort zone is we wind up knowing ourselves with a certain amount of misery. Now, the misery comfort zone is on a scale of 1 to 10. Do you have any other colors here? There's black. There. Let's see how that black works. Not so good. We had a better black. Where'd that better black go? So there's, uh, there's two halves to the misery comfort zone. There is the upper half of the misery comfort zone, which is 6 through 10. And then there's the lower half, which is 5... Through one, and the upper half of the misery comfort zone are are things that people would would do that is called self-deprecating behavior. That's self-deprecating behavior, and the way we would look at this is uh, in a pie chart. We would look at it as, uh, um, how far does that camera go? Does it go till this far? Yeah. Yeah? So in a, in a pie chart, we would, we would look at it like this. Oh, man. No one sees a black pen. There's another one right there. Oh, can you hand me that black pen, Mr. Meditation, over there? There's a black pen right over your head there. Just throw it, please. Which one was it? This one? Yes. 
Oh, there we go. So, um... <laughs> nice move. I have a graveyard of pens up there. Can I just try that one more time? It's so hard to hit from here, because even though it looks totally easy, but we have this roof thing. Go underneath. This ceiling thing gives me this tiny little window. So for years, I've only made it once or twice. But that bank, she had good reactions. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, she's got the I'm good. She's got I'm good going on. Okay, you ready? Underhand. Underhand? I've tried that before, too. No. It's really hard to get it. You, you can throw it up to the graveyard. Okay. Can I From here, good luck. I'd love to see you get it. If you can get it, you can get it. You see what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's, a, it's like an optical illusion, but yeah. once you're about to release, you realize, wait, where do I release it? So, anyway, if you, fun in the essentials, Drew. You should know that the fun we have in here, these fun moments, are the live feed's favorite parts. It's really their favorite parts. And uh, when I show the crowd, it's even more of a favorite part, except all the girls are like trying to jump under their desks and stuff, hoping like someone doesn't realize they're ditching school, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Who knows what? I mean, it's one of the most ironic things in the world is, is girls and guys. You, you, you put a camera in front of guys, they're all like... <laughs> you, know, you put a camera in front of girls, they're like... <laughs> guys spend zero time looking nice for their day. Zero time. They just pull on their clothes, and if they slept in them, they just leave the house. Whereas Nowadays, that's not so true. Not as true today. Not but the true. girls spend all this time on themselves. They like get themselves all ready for their day. Many girls spend a lot of time on themselves. And then you put a camera on them, and they hide. It's like, what'd you spend all that time for if not to smile for the camera? Now, I certainly suggest, I personally suggest spending next to no time on your clothing. Next to no time. Like, for example, all those years I was surfing, so I never showered, because I spent all my time in the ocean. Never wore underwear, because I was always wearing surf shorts. I mean, I didn't wear underwear for 12 years, you know? And, the, and so, then I, came, then, I came to, then I came to Israel, and I come to Israel, and it's like, people are wearing, like, way too much clothing. And so I'm looking at these men in suits, and I'm like, I'm like what the hell? And, and it was and it was summertime. It was June. And I was like, holy moly. And but little did I little did I know that they had me beaten. They had me beaten. Like they won in the ultimate paying no attention to clothing. Because I would wear whatever surf shirts I had and a t-shirt or a tank top every day. And I always wore the top shirt, which my housekeepers had to learn to like switch them up. Because I wound up in the same two shirts all the time. Because the turnaround of laundry was like super fast in our home. And so, so I would wind up in the same shirt. Like I'd literally go to bed that night and my housekeepers would have it back on the top the next day clean. And I mean, I woke up at noon or whatever, unless there were big waves. So, so the, so I'd wind up the same shirt for a week straight. So the, someone told my housekeepers to like, you gotta shuffle the shirts, shuffle the deck so that I wear different clothing. Anyway, ever since I found the Haredi world, it's a blast. You wear the same clothes every single day. You never ever think about it. I mean, we hope they change their undergarments, you know. But the uh, but that's all you got to change. Just change your undergarments. You can wear the same clothes the whole day until they're like filthy, you know. But once they're filthy, so you send them to a dry cleaner. But 
How often are your clothes filthy? It's not like we're car mechanics, you know? So we're generally staying clean. I'm probably, as I'm speaking, there's probably something on me. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know what's on me is my brand new cashmere sweater that my mother-in-law bought me. Do you know about my cashmere sweater issue? You don't know about this? I wore the same cashmere sweater from the beginning of the winter to the end of the winter for six years straight. Why? Because I, th I thought that mother-in-laws buy you sweaters to show you that they love you. That's the job of mother-in-laws. I mean, you imagine Shlomo Melek's sweater collection. So, so I just, I don't know where I got this idea, but how do you know your mother-in-law loves you? She bought you a sweater. So my mother-in-law bought me a cashmere sweater like maybe six years ago, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, six years ago. And it was the second or third time she had done that. And so that's how I knew she loved me. Because how else do you know your mother-in-law loves you? I mean, you know the difference between a mother-in-law and a, and a vulture is? Vultures wait till you're dead. Anyway, we're going to get to the misery comfort zone, don't worry. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't pay me. <laughs> Can you imagine me doing this in the middle of the seminar? So, <laughs> no, I'm starting to crack up. Anyway, so I finally, I couldn't tell her for six years I'm wearing the same ratty sweater. Because I refused to buy myself a new sweater. Because then I'd be admitting that she doesn't love me. And I refuse to admit my mother-in-law doesn't love me. So I finally broke the news to her last summer. Bad season to be bothering anybody about sweaters. But last summer, I finally got the courage and I called my mother-in-law and I said, you know what, I just have to share something with you. That I've been waiting for six years for a new sweater. Because I refuse to buy myself a sweater and admit that you don't love me. And she's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is the strangest phone call I've ever gotten. And I'm like, well, let's just get to the main part. A new cashmere sweater. That's what's necessary here. And she was just like, okay, I'll check it out. You know, and she, uh, she went on to check it out, which they're totally unavailable. They're not in shops anymore because of internet. And they're certainly not around in the summer. Hey, oh my gosh, of all the Ashkacha practices in the world. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is my wife. <laughs> not my mother-in-law. I'm speaking about your mom and my sweater, my new sweater. Come sit. Is she here? Uh, we could have had her stand outside for a minute. How's it going? Say hi to all the people. Say hi to my little seminary with a couple boys spiced. Smart boys. Yeah. So, anyway, the the um, she just arrived. And brought me a cashmere sweater. <laughs> Just to let me know she loves me, which is amazing. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Now, if you look at yourself on a pie chart, you'll notice that the that there's a big part of the pie over here, big part of the pie that says I love you, which means you're telling yourself I love you. You're actually saying to yourself. I love you. And a lot of us are saying to ourselves, I love you. I mean, when you buy yourself ice cream, you're saying to yourself, I love you. When you take yourself to the gym, you're saying to yourself, I love you. When you stretch, you're saying to yourself, I love you. When you take a hot bath, you're saying, I love you. Like, we say I love you. But there's another part of us that's saying, what? I, I, what? Hate you. And this is the weird thing about human beings. I imagine the animal kingdom doesn't have this. 
And we have a voice inside our head that says, I hate you. And you literally have this part of you that hates you. The weirdest thing. And it often gets, even though it's only one slice out of eight, you know, it's one out of the eight slices, is that it sometimes gets the microphone. It gets the microphone. And you have the I hate you running, running things, like making choices for you. I mean, don't we all make I hate you choices throughout the day all the time? That's an I hate you choice when you skip the gym. That's an I hate you choice when you take an elevator instead of the stairs. That's an I hate you choice when you ask for your sandwich on white instead of whole wheat. It's an I hate you choice when you're eating junk food. It's an I hate you choice when you overeat. It's an I hate you choice when you are in a perfectly good relationship and you just shoot yourself in the foot and blow the relationship. Like, for example, it's a person who, you know, every person needs a phone call at a certain amount of time, like you all have a friend that needs a phone call once a week, you have another friend once every two weeks, once a month, whatever, but you'll skip it just to get a little drama in your life. You know, if you're a husband, you'll come home late. If you're a wife, you'll nail him at the doorway for coming home late. And ladies, you never thrash a husband at the doorway. Okay? You got something to say to him? You got something to say to him? Let him eat something first. Okay? A hungry man is an angry man. He's not very receptive until he's eaten some food. <laughs> Women are never hungry, okay? What? <laughs> oh, well, you don't have your own kitchen yet. I mean, how many times has my wife prepared for me dinner, and I say, are you going to join me? She's like, I've been eating the whole time. <laughs> She's in the kitchen. <laughs> Out of the house to get hungry? Well, I mean, I mean, no doubt if she's coming back from work, she's going to be hungry. Right? Yeah, make sure you don't thrash your wife at the doorway. Give me a break. Husbands, it's a one-way street thrashing spouses, okay? <laughs> Men don't thrash their wives if they're smart. You know, it's a one-way street. The, the, the spouse thrashing is woman to man, not man to woman. Okay? It's, a, it's just one of those, what do you call those things? Double standards. It's one of those double standards. Just the way it goes. And, uh, and guys, <laughs> buy a helmet. <laughs> now, so you got this I love you voice, you got this I hate you voice, and, and you'll notice that in different aspects of life, and we've got a lot of aspects of our lives, we go for the I hate you statement a lot of the times. And that's what we're calling here as the people who are on the misery comfort zone, their zone is 6 to 10, meaning pretty high. Those people are still involved in what are called self-deprecating behaviors. Self-deprecating. Deprecating is from the word, you know, the word depreciate. Like when you buy a new car, it starts to depreciate. Like it makes things worth less over time. So self-deprecating behavior means that someone who's involved in stuff that's, that's making life worse for them. And so someone who's at a 10 is just like constantly sabotaging themselves in every, every which way. I mean, these are... So tens are like suicidal people. You know, those are people who are, who are often threatening suicide, contemplating suicide, burning all their bridges. I mean, they, they burn all their bridges, but they need one to jump off them. They, they're always burning bridges, and they're not a funny subject to be making jokes about. But I noticed, though, the bridges in New York lately have all got nets. They've all got nets. So, like, I bet these poor guys are like, they can't do anything right. You know, they hurl themselves off the bridge and about 30 feet down, like, <laughs> and there's like a whole party of guys laughing at him down there. All, all the other guys who jumped, 
you know, and they're, they're just like, we're all stuck down here together, you know, like we're hoping the cops are going to throw blankets, you know, but they, there's, there's literally nets under all the bridges in New York now and, and with signs and who you can call and don't do it. And it's tomorrow's another day. And there's, there's a whole thing. I mean, and when you're stuck in traffic, it's quite, it's quite inspiring, <laughs> quite inspiring to drive on those bridges, you know, to like get all the words of uh, Chizuk. You know, when you're driving along. Anyway, but those are tens. Tens are like, you know, they're really messing things up. They, I mean, they've already ruined their relationship with their families. They're probably hooked on drugs because a ten needs... I mean, you got to numb the pain, so they're numbing it with stuff that you basically got to steal to buy. And because uh, it's really hard to keep down a job when you got to afford that kind of, that kind of uh, you know, drug habit. And so the last thing they resort they have is the people who trust them. Now, how much longer do they trust them after they blow it with them? No longer. So they burned all those relationships. And, and these, these are tens. I don't think any of you even know tens, you know. And tens, the life expectancy of a ten is like really short. Because they, they just don't last very long unless they get help. And if they get help, they can start moving their way down. Nines are much more common. Nines are just like... You know, just people with disastrous habits. That's that's the nine people. The eight people are very, very common. Eight people are just generally unhealthy people. And they're like, that's the majority of people. And then you got um, the the classic American. Like, I was a seven. The classic American, you know, the soccer mom. and, And then, of course, the boy or girl going to play soccer. Those are all sevens. Those are just sevens. Classic Americans. So to give you an example of seven, sevens, like, they have to catch a cold every, like, six to eight weeks. And uh, if you're wondering why they have to catch a cold, it's because, I mean, how can you always be going? You've got to rest. But a seven doesn't deserve rest. Because th- that would be too much I love you for a seven. So the seven rest via catching a cold. Catching a cold, now you're off the hook. Now you get to go into bed for a few days. And so that's why they, they have to catch a cold every six to eight weeks, is how many weeks can you go without resting? And so sevens also, they, they, tend to, um, they tend to have pretty good relationships, but all their relationships are using others to feel good about themselves, including their own parents and siblings and their spouse or their significant others or their best friend. It's all just dramatic and, and uh, highly using the, the relationship, not that they don't love these people, they may very much love their mother, but if they looked closely, they noticed they'll call their father when they're feeling this way, they're calling their mother when they're feeling this way, they call this sibling when they feel that way, they call this friend when they're feeling that way. They've, they've got, like, they've got all the, all, all of these bandages out there called relationships, and that's, that's a seven. Sevens don't have real relationships. Sevens are involved in themselves and healing themselves it's not real healing, uh, let's say, um, bandaging themselves with, uh, with using other people. Those are sevens. Um, sevens, they love exercise, but they're very inconsistent. So, like, they'll buy the bike, but the bike just collects dust. Or they'll buy the surfboard and get surfing lessons, but the surfboard winds up collecting dust as well. They'll join a gym. Sevens join gyms. But that's about all they do is join the gym. They don't actually go to the gym. They quit the gym very quickly. Why do you think gyms offer these like really cheap, cheap uh, memberships? Because they know you're not going to go. And so they just get your cheap membership and, you know, it's whatever. That's how gyms work. And, um, and they, uh, what else do sevens do? Any other examples? Lay, you got any other examples? 
sevens? You're hardly a seven. You probably don't remember the seven days. Anyway, but they would generally overeat. They'll eat a salad, but then they're gonna like do something stupid right after. Yeah, they'll they'll um, <laughs> they're just a little crazy. They like they like getting high or drunk and stuff like that. They, they don't do it all the time. They're not like eights and nines who are like constantly trying to numb themselves. But they do like their escapes. What? I didn't define eight in any detail, um, but they're more than sevens at this point. They're higher level of misery. <laughs> And the, uh, what else? Oh, sevens have to get hurt, like once a year at least. Break a finger, toe, maybe a wrist. They usually don't break like bigger stuff, but they they gotta break something. And and they also, they also get in a car crash about once a year. They they need a car crash. Just one car. I just need one car crash, please. And it's, it's never a dangerous one. It's just like a fender bender. Nobody gets hurt. And they generally hit another seven. And so they can just get out of their, they can just get out of their cars and thank each other. You know, I thought I'd make a video which would show like, you know, cop cars and, you know, emergency vehicles have like big numbers on the roof so the helicopters can direct them. So the, uh, I, th- I had thought of a good video describing sevens and then having like one seven leave like the five towns and then another seven leaves like Lakewood. And you just watch them driving around all day, you know, it's high speed until finally, like somewhere in Brooklyn, they're like, Pfft. you know, like one of them's making a left, the other one's making a right, and they're both texting and boom, you know, and they perfectly run into each other and then thank each other for the little fender bender, you know, that they get to have. They get to exchange information. Now they can talk about it in the afternoon when they get home. And they got a little car crash and... Anyway, those are all sevens. You know, I was just thinking, this is a brilliant thing for insurance companies. I should really help insurance companies create new formulas because their formulas are not including these things. And if I could get a full misery comfort zone evaluation, so I think insurance companies would adjust for them because they're very predictable. (laughs) Very predictable. I can just tell you as a rabbi, having people come to me all the time. Like once someone's come to me one or two times, and I start to hear the patterns of what's going on in their lives. Like their number is so obvious. You know, if they're an eight, they're nine, they're a seven, you know, six. If they're not, a, if they're once they're in the five through one, they're probably not coming to me. So the five through ones, these ones come to the seminar, but they don't come for the one on ones. The five through ones are people who are involved in what are called life affirming behavior. These people are involved in what's called life-affirming behavior. They're living in the world of I love you. They live in I love you. They're doing life-affirming behavior. So they, the way they work, so if you're wondering what's a five versus a one, is just regiment. How regimented is that person? Some people aren't that excited about being ones. I personally don't really want to be a one, which is kind of weird, but I don't. I just don't. I enjoy too many funny things. Like, I like late nights. I get more energy the later it gets. Just my energy level, just, I'm a night person. Uh, it'd be interesting to take a poll here. Who are the day people? I don't want to hear about teenage, like, running away from pe- the world. I'm talking about, like, like if you were really, everything was going great in your life, you're already set, you're married, you're working, you're living your life, everything's going great. Is your energy level higher 
in the daytime or in the nighttime? So all the, everyone has to vote, day or night. Ready? All the night people raise their hands. Raise them high so I can get a feel. Okay, all the day people raise their hands. Day people. So yeah, okay, it was almost even. Night one, night one a little bit over day. Okay. So, I don't know what happened over there, but the, um, anyway, we got life-affirming behaviors, and it's all about regiment. So, like, the most regimented person I ever met with life-affirming behavior is Rabbi Zelig Pliskin. If you ever met Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, he's quite a person to meet. And I'm pretty sure he teaches in this program as well. Yeah, he teaches here? Oh, amazing. So, he's here at Aish every day, or some days. And, uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And he, he's... 74 years old, something like that. When he gets home at night, he checks his counter on his waist. He has a, a little step counter to see if it advanced enough. Meaning it's checking how many kilometers a day he walks. And if it was under the amount, while the rest of us would just say, well, okay, that's what I did today. He'll actually leave his house and walk around Sarotskin Street for a while till he gets to the number that is his goal. Meaning that he doesn't compromise. He's extreme regiment. I ran into him once on his way. I think I saw him in the airport. Yeah, in the airport. I said, where were you? He said, I was in Australia. And I'm like, what? what you had a speaking tour in Australia? He says, no, I have a great grandson in Australia. Yeah, I guess in Yeshiva Katana for some reason. So I said, what do you... Yeah, so <laughs> why'd you go to Australia? And he's like, how could I have a great grandson that I don't have a relationship with? I flew to Australia. And I spent a week with my great-grandson. Because he's not going to have anyone in his family that he doesn't have a real relationship with. You know, which is really interesting. And my, my wife and I know a lot of people with lots of grandkids and lots of great-grandkids. And they're not going for that. You know, they, they love them. They, obviously, they, all the kids line up for Hanukkah Gelt and Hanukkah. And, and Zadie, you know, the Alta Zadie is like giving everyone their... Their guilt and stuff. It's super sweet. But it's not Rabbi Pliskin. Rabbi Pliskin's not settling for anything. He's like full regiment. His diet, his inner speech to himself is so clean and positive and motivating. His his relationships, if he has a zero tolerance for drama in relationships. If there's any drama, he's just gonna go right in there and like talk it out. You know, like let's get this let's get this worked out right away he writes a book a day like every day you meet him he's like have you seen my new book <laughs> and you know what I mean like he has projects and he just fulfills his goals you know he's just no he doesn't shoot himself in the foot ever now nor does anyone shoot themselves in the foot if they're a five to one but the question is how regimented you are so like for example I really like Shabbos food and Shabbos food isn't exactly health food but you'll notice that, and especially in my home, that you'll notice that people are cleansing more on Sundays. We're, we're resetting our systems to kind of, kind of get back to optimal you know, system health in our physical bodies. And we also, um, also I, I'm crazy about beer. You know, I'm, I believe beer is how we know God loves us. And, and, but beer has alcohol in it, and alcohol's no good. You know, alcohol is, it's kind of one of the lamest drugs God put on the planet. 
you know, alcohol, it's, there's almost nothing good you can say about it. You know, maybe one glass loosens you up a little bit, you know, maybe that's a good thing for people who are uptight. But other than that, like... Definitely not my drug of choice, but the, but anyway, beer is is delicious. I mean, it's just the ultimate beverage. Now, I know some people don't like beer, but it's. I mean, we could maybe be friends in another lifetime. Um, but I'm just not willing to not have beer because I'm just afraid God's going to ask me why didn't you drink beer, and and the uh, and also just not any beer. Like it's got to be really. Craft, like really good handmade craft beer, which is, you know, like just hits your taste buds like a freight train. And the, so craft beer is also, you know, a fear of God thing, you know, because I'm not going to drink lager, you know. And I mean, if, it's, if I have no choice, you know, and I've been like doing sports, it's like a sports drink. It's an alcoholic sports drink, lager. Okay, enough said about beer. The point is, is that. That you can once you're in the five to one, you can choose your spot. The main thing is that you're going for the I love yous. There's no I hate yous there at all. There may be a f- repercussions to some of the things you love. You know, it might be you love a sport that's that's dangerous. You know, and that's not an I hate you. Just be careful. You know, wear bra- wear body armor when you're doing that sport. You see the same people doing the sport without the body armor, and those are the I hate you types doing that same sport. But if you're doing that sport, you're doing it with body armor because you're an I love you person and you're not, you don't have any tolerance for cuts and scrapes and bruises and broken bones like that. That's not, that's not part of your repertoire. Yes, ma'am. So what is it? Like, as you go lower, it's how can you make decisions based on what's ultimately good for them? Yeah, what's good for them, which what I'm calling is I love you statements versus I hate you statements. Okay, we're making it real black and white. Like, everything you're doing is either I love you or I hate you. Now, we're getting to the advice part of the class. Uh, someone else had a question? Yes? Can you be like a mix of them? Yeah, yeah, for sure you can be in a mix. You can definitely be in a mix. There could be people who trigger you and send you into, like, higher zones um, of misery comfort zones. So you can get triggered by things. You could also have mood-related triggers, too. You know, someone in a low mood, like, could much more easily eat something stupid than someone in a high mood the next day. So so that you understand, like it, they can move around a bit and they can be mood oriented. The five through ones don't care what mood they're in really. That's not gonna be where they're eating from. But uh, but some of the low mood certainly could be um, doing the I hate use at that, at that point. Now, um, now, what do we do about this? Like, what are you supposed to do? Let's say, okay, I know my number. I know I'm an eight or I know I'm a nine or I know I'm a seven or I know I'm a six. So what do you do once you know your number? So here's the amazing thing, is all you need to do, it's quite simple, all you have to do is have up to 51%, or what I'm really saying is a majority, you just have a, you have to get a majority of I love yous per day. You can put yourself in a point system. I would put yourself in a point system, you just gotta end in the plus. So every I hate you do is a minus, every I love you is a plus. So let's say you're going into a building and you gotta get up to the third floor and you haven't really gotten any exercise this week, and you say, you know what? I'm gonna pump up those stairs. I'm just running up those stairs. And that's a that now you're plus one. Yeah, first thing of the day, plus one. Did you make your bed? Making your beds for sure. Um, this morning I made my bed. Pretty sure. Yeah, I made my bed. So that was plus one right there. Okay. Uh, wash my hands by the bed. Plus two. Yeah, didn't didn't you know? I brought the bucket and washed the hands by the bed. 
It's plus, I actually woke up early this morning. Uh, so I wound up washing over there, but the, uh, but uh, I went back to sleep after that because it was like dawn. Um, anyway, plus two is wash my hands by the bed. Remember to say Modiani. Plus three, you know, it just kept going in the pluses. Um, anyway, so you want to you want to work your way in those pluses. You get a couple minuses, no big deal. It's no big deal, man. You don't have to be a saint overnight. There's nothing wrong with a little white bread. Yeah. I'll take that on white bread, please. That's fine. You got a minus one. Enjoy the sandwich. No big deal. You're already at plus three. Puts you down to two. You're still in the plus. So you're doing good. You got a majority. And uh, and then, of course, you know, you're, you're, you're driving home and so you're supposed to be meeting somebody. And you're thinking, should I call or should I just show up late? Should I call or just show up late? What's the right thing to do? Call. So you're like, yeah, I'm just going to show up late. I'm going to call. And then you're like, wait, I'm only at plus two right now. I'm calling. You call your plus three. Plus three. Moving your way up. Anyway, all you have to do is finish in the plus. doesn't matter. You can do ten minuses in a row. But you might have been at a surplus of ten pluses in a row, so now you're down to zero. And now all you need is one plus for you to go to bed, which might be setting up the water before you go to bed. It might be, uh, that would be a plus. It might be saying Shema seated on the side of your bed instead of laying down. So that's, that might be a plus for you. And maybe you don't, it's not necessary in your life to do that. But, but because you're at zero or you're in the negatives, do a couple things at the end of the night. Uh, maybe you already hit the bed and you realize you didn't brush your teeth. Now you're going to get up and brush your teeth normally? It's a plus two. It's a plus two. Or you realize you didn't die Mari. That's like plus 10. Yeah, that's the most painful thing in the world. Um, are, are girls supposed to get up? Girls who have taken on Marv, are they supposed to get up if they realize they're not Marv in bed? Are they? Uh, yeah, because I... Okay. Men are definitely supposed to get out of bed. It's just the worst, the worst thing ever. And why do you wind up in bed without Marv? Because you probably were like so busy and so wiped out that you finally like laid down in your bed and like just as you're about to lose consciousness and realize you better say Shema, you know, before you fall asleep and you realize, wait, I don't think I said Shema tonight. I didn't have Marv. No. And then it's like violins from horror movies and like fingernails on chalkboards and you're just like, can you imagine what kind of Marv that's going to be? You know, that's a Marv that's a true Corbin Lashem. You know, it's just a Corbin. It's an, it's just a sacrifice. It's not going to be your, your, you know, you're not going to be that into it. You just got to get it done. And not to mention, we're not, we're not allowed to pray in our pajamas, you know, or, or, you know, whatever you wear to bed, you know, you got to actually put something on. Yeah. But don't you think um, with, with this sort of system, with this point system, don't you think we tend to justify doing bad things just the way you yeah, I think you better not use this system. You're the first. You're the first person in 17 years asking me this question. Okay. I've been teaching this. I'm going to give this over to someone else. That's the question that I'm going to get. That's why I'm wondering what your answer. Oh, someone might say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy's probably a, a lame up. Like, you can't teach for the lame up. Tell me, he's a lame up. I'm not even going there right now. It's already four o'clock, I think. Oh, it's four fifteen. 
whoa. We don't need to stop. We gotta go. Um, anyway, just bottom line real quick is figure out what number you are and just do the majority I love you is you get yourself down a number. After three weeks, you'll get used to it. You'll, next thing you know, hey, you're that number. To go down another number, like re- right now, you all get a freebie. You can already go down one number. Just do it. After three weeks, you'll be so used to it. You're not even going to want to touch white bread because you got used to the things. I mean, you got used to jumping up staircases, flying up, run. So what happens, you get used to that number and that's your new number because you got used to it. Once you get used to it, that's your new number. It's just that easy. But to go down two numbers takes, if you want to go down another number, that takes a couple months. I'd say to get down another number takes about three months. More numbers, six months a year. But to get from the six to the five where you're no longer doing self-deprecating behaviors at all, that can take a couple years. That took me uh, three, four years. Three, four years to get over to here. Now, it's not like I don't do something stupid once in a while. I do stupid things once in a while. But it's not like my regular thing to do stupid things. We're talking about regular. Meaning even a one, you know, even a one can do something stupid sometimes and just like, I don't know, eat, instead of eating breakfast, he ate, you know, a half a bucket of ice cream or something, you know? <laughs> you can, you're always capable of doing something stupid and it's really not a big deal. But we're talking about what your day, 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 you know, day after day looks like. That's what we're really discussing here. Okay? Shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Shalom, shalom. And please, join the club. Okay, I set this whole club up, so anyone who was thinking about doing it, please make it happen. All the best. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.